Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Are you good? Yeah, yeah, I hear a few shouts of hallelujah, I'm good. Praise the Lord. Man, we're so glad that you guys are here. If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Luke. Uh, today is actually a big day in the life of our church because this is the two-year anniversary of Veneration Church. So it's crazy. I was thinking this week, um, two years ago, we had like 15 people praying in a room back here for what God would do in this place. And two years later, to see everything that he has done is truly amazing. And man, it's all him. Like, we offer what we can and we give him what we can. But at the end of the day, God is just doing things that only he can do. I was uh, doing some research this week, and there's a national statistic that 80% of church plants across America fail, and one in 10 sustain larger than 100 people. And I was just thinking, man, God is so gracious. Uh, I think over the summer, we've been averaging like 320, 330 people with kids, and it's just truly amazing to see what God has done in ways that only he can do it. I shared a couple weeks ago that uh, Matt Carter, one of my mentors, uh, pastored the Austin Stone for a long time and is in Houston now. He said that what God is doing in veneration is really puts us in the top 1% of all church plants in America. Um, the fact of what God is doing here is just completely humbling, and we don't deserve it. But God is good and he is gracious and our desire is to just keep leaning into him and watching him do the things that only he can do. So I just want to say happy birthday and can we just praise God for all that he has done over the last couple of years. <clears throat> a couple things before we get going. Uh, one of these is in every one of your seats. So no, we do not want to pick them up afterwards, right? These are to take with you and to give to your one or to give to someone who needs to hear the gospel. We are so excited about Beast Feast this year. We're excited that it's for families. Man, we have Nerf gun stations for kids. We have cotton candy coming. We have all sorts of stuff that we are excited that we can just invest in this community and pour into this community with one purpose that the gospel would be proclaimed loud and clear because people will come to this event that will never set foot in a church, and that is our goal is to reach those people. So if you have one of those, you do have one, not if you have one, you have one, take it with you and give it away. The other thing is we have some of these big flyers in the back. If you know of a place or you own a business where you can hang this or you know of a business that would hang this, we ask that you would take a couple of these and hang them around town, and we just believe that God is going to do incredible things. So this morning, we're going to take a break from the Beatitudes, as you all know, if you've been here for any some time that we've been going through them, but I've been praying this week about really what God would call us to do in this next year, who he would call us to be, and I really think what he is saying is that it's not really about where we're going this next year as a church, it's about who we are becoming, because that's really the goal. I hear a lot of stuff all the time, oh, here's the big master plan of where we're going in the next year. This is our two-year anniversary. Here's what we're going to do this year. Here's what God is going to do this year. And the reality is we don't know what God's going to do because it's his church. But I do know one thing, that he is more concerned with who we are becoming, how we are leaning into his goodness and his faithfulness than he is beyond any building or anything that we could manufacture or build. Is a building coming? I really pray so. 
Because setting all this up is a whole lot of work, which by the way, if you're not serving in any capacity, the setup team is a great way to serve if you're looking for donuts and a friendly atmosphere in the morning. Thank you for all those who helped to set up because it's not possible without you. But really, what we're going to do this morning, if you have your Bibles, is you can open to Isaiah chapter 6. Because I really believe that the same thing that Isaiah said when he had this encounter, this vision of God, is the same thing that God is calling us to in this next year. Here's the thing. We just sang a song, and one of the main lines was to offer this heart, O God, completely to you. If we could get that in this next year, there is no telling what God would do in this place. And there is no telling what he would do in your family and in your marriage amongst your friends. Because this is amazing. I mean, God is doing incredible things here. But man, I am so like little concerned so much about this as I am what is God doing in our hearts? Are we drawing near to him? Are we seeing him in his fullness, in his glory? Because when we get that, man... Each and every one of us is going to say, here I am, God, send me. And that's the mission of the church. You are the church. This building is not you are. I am. So if we could get that, I think that God would do just mind-blowing things. God, we give you this time in these short few minutes that we have. Would you do the things that only you can do? Would you move on my heart and each heart in this room, God, that we would see you in your fullness that we would see you in your glory, that we would see you in your power. And God, over this next year, that we would become a people that are surrendered, that are in awe of who you are, that this would be a year of tremendous spiritual growth, God, in each one of us, so that we would be the people that you've called us to be, and then we can reach the people that you've called us to reach. So God, we thank you for this morning, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is really a stunning, I mean, what we're going to see in these next few verses is really stunning imagery of who God is. But I think sometimes we just read the Bible and we're like, oh yeah, in the year that King Uzziah died, no, that's not how it is. In the year that King Uzziah died, that Isaiah got this vision and, you, and it's like, well, yeah, that kind of dates when this could be. But there's, I think there's so much more than just the dating of this text. This is really key. In the year that King Uzziah died, what do we know about King Uzziah? If we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we know that he was a king in Judah for 52 years. He reigned in Jerusalem. Get this, we know that he took the throne at age 16. I don't know what you were doing at 16, but you weren't reigning over a kingdom, I can promise you that. Maybe some NFL blitz and some swiping of your parents' credit card for some gas money and a prom date here or there. I mean, that's what most of us were doing at the age of 16, yet not King Uzziah. King Uzziah was put in place as this king over Judah. Isaiah 6.5 says this, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. I don't know why I put Isaiah. It's not Isaiah. It's Second Chronicles 6.5. I, I don't actually know what... what I, hold on, pause, yeah, 
I'm not really sure, but I promise you the Bible says this. I don't know where I got this reference in my notes, but here's what it says. It has to be 2 Chronicles 26.5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. We know that King Uzziah was called of God. We know in 2 Chronicles 26 that he was really wildly intelligent and innovative. I mean, the Bible says in chapter 26 that he made these like war machines that he could set in the corners of his, uh, of his uh, man, my brain is not working this morning, his cities that would like throw these big rocks and these arrows, like he was a master at war, he was a master at his craft. We know that because of his warrior-like ability that his fame began to spread all throughout the land and it even reached the borders of Egypt. This man knew what he was doing. This man was being used of God to conquer cities, to do things that were just not even possible in his own strength. But the problem was, was he began to think too highly of himself. The problem was, was pride began to sneak in, and when pride sneaks in, we begin to fall. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall, and this was a prime example. What did he do? He committed an unfaithful act by entering the temple. Don't miss it. The temple, that the same temple that Isaiah was having a vision of, of God's robe filling it, he went into the temple to offer incense at the altar, but the only one that was allowed in the temple were the priests. So here's King Uzziah. Yeah, he was a warrior. Yeah, he was innovative. Yeah, he was creative. Yeah, he was a warrior mastermind that God was using. But all of a sudden in his pride, he began to say, ah, well, I can go into the temple. God didn't really know what he was talking about. So he went into the temple and the priest, Azariah, and 80 other priests, the Bible says, went into the temple to try to pull Uzziah out because he was entering into the presence of God that God said only the priest could enter. It was an unfaithful act on his part. This is wild. Think about this. Like, if this happened today, we would be like, what the heck is happening before my very eyes? The Bible says that the moment that Uzziah entered the temple, leprosy came upon his forehead and the priest began to shoo him out of the temple and he had leprosy for the rest of his life, living separated from the house of the Lord, living separated from other people. All this to say is that King Uzziah in a moment of pride, entered the temple in a way that he was not supposed to enter it according to God. In the same year that King Uzziah died because of his unfaithful act of going into the temple, Isaiah gets a vision of God and his robe filling the temple. It's crazy, the same year. The same year God's temple was defiled, God shows Isaiah a vision of saying, hey, this is my temple. This is my domain. This is my glory. This is my power, Isaiah. I want you to see me. It really is remarkable. See, Uzziah's story is tragic. When he feared and honored the Lord, God made him prosper. But when he was strong and grew proud, he was destroyed. Verse 2, above him, who, God, stood the seraphim, each had six wings, 
With two covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Think about this. Put this in your mind. These creatures, six wings, hovering over the throne of God, and they're just crying in praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Two wings covering their eyes, two wings covering their feet, and two flying them around. And you're like, well, that's kind of like a Marvel uh, comic. Yeah, I don't really know what they look like, but it's pretty wild that these creatures, these angelic creatures are flying and just before the God of heaven and all they can do is utter holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all they could do. It's interesting that in the Hebrew, anytime there's this three, there's these words that come in threes, it really indicates that this was probably a continuous cry from these seraphim. It wasn't just one time that they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It was like constantly out of their mouth. That's all they could say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Sometimes I don't think we really get the full glory of God. The fullness of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the goodness of God, the justice of God, all of it. But God is holy. And he was showing Isaiah this in a vision that he is just beyond his wildest imaginations. Verse 4, and the foundations, when this cry was happening, of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. This puts smoke machines to shame, I'm just telling you right now. This idea of filled in the Hebrew literally meant it filled the entire room in the presence of God. The thresholds of the foundations were just shaking and trembling at the call of God, at the praise of these angelic creatures. And I said, woe is me. This is Isaiah. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King of hosts. Can you imagine being Isaiah? And this, these words probably don't adequately even explain what he saw. Because there are no human words that can adequately explain the glory, majesty, and power of Almighty God. They just can't. Like, there's a reason that every time someone came into the presence of God, half the time they just fell to their face. Because they couldn't even stand, they couldn't even grasp this great God, this King of glory. You cannot comprehend the fullness of the glory of God. It's impossible. And here's Isaiah seeing a glimpse of it in this vision, this God of glory. And what did it cause him to do? Not puff himself up. He said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. In the face of your holiness, God, in the face of your glory, God, 
in the face of your majesty, God. I can't do anything but just fall to my face and worship. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips compared to your holiness. I'm just peanuts. It's a healthy view of God. If you come to God and think that you have your life all together and that when you, when you have a glimpse of what you think God is and it causes you to like kind of swell up, like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty religious, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty good in this area, you probably haven't had a healthy view of God because God is so holy that our minds cannot comprehend and it caused Isaiah to become undone. Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, this is so crazy to me. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Think of that statement for one second. And I want you to think of this in light of Uzziah, because there is two different postures of people and two different ways that God responded. What did Uzziah do? Well, we saw earlier that Uzziah approached the altar, that Uzziah went into the temple when he was not to go into the temple. And what does the Bible say? 2 Chronicles 26, 16, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Uzziah approached the altar, approached God in a way that God said he was not to be approached. What did Isaiah do? He saw the glory of God, and he fell down and said, Woe is me, and don't miss it, because I think this is stunning. What happened? God approached Isaiah from the altar. Think about it. Uzziah went to the altar, and God judged him. Isaiah, when he saw God's glory, when he saw his power, when he saw who he was, all he could say is, woe is me, and what did God do? He had the seraphim grab a coal from the altar and bring it to Isaiah and touch his lips and said, behold, your sin is atoned for, your guilt is gone. That's God. That's the gospel. We don't approach God on our terms. God comes to us because he loves us and has made a way for us to be whole. He says, yeah, the altar thing, you no longer have to make sacrifices on the altar because I have done away with that through my son, Jesus. Now you come to Jesus and as I draw you to myself, just believe and I will bring the altar to you. I brought Jesus to you so that you could be redeemed. It's crazy. Like I can't even like process it as I was looking at this this week that Isaiah in his humility bowed low and God approached him from the altar. I don't know what your view of God is in this room. There's probably a bunch of different views of God in this room. But if you came in and you just think that God is out to get you and God is out to just kind of push you aside and 
do his thing, I need you to hear this, that God is fiercely pursuing you. He is fiercely after your heart. And all you have to do is get to a place where you see God in his glory and his holiness. And you just say, woe is me. I'm, an un, I'm a man. I'm a woman of unclean lips, God. And God will come to you through Jesus. He will bring the sacrifice to you because he brought Jesus to you. And all you have to do is believe. It really is amazing to think that we serve a God that would love us that much. Verse 8, and this I love. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. If you go on and read through Isaiah, Isaiah went and said some things to a lot of people that did not like Isaiah. <laughs> like, he was not the popular man on the block. But he knew that going in that it didn't matter because he had experienced the glory of God. He had seen God in his holiness, in his fullness, in his purity, in his beautiful state of who God is. And it didn't matter where God was going to send him because he had an experience with the God of heaven. What does an experience with the God of heaven cause us to do? This. Here I am, Lord. Send me. It wasn't built upon his own stature. It wasn't built upon his nature. It wasn't built upon the things that he could do or could not do. It wasn't built upon his strength or his weakness. It wasn't built upon his shortcomings or the things that he has mastered. It was built solely on the fact that he had seen God in his glory, in his fullness. And he saw him and all he could say was, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is this God who has revealed himself to me, has showed me just a glimpse of who he is. Because of that, God, I'm yours. I'm yours, God. Send me wherever you want to send me. Do the things that you want to do in me. But know this, that I am yours. When we have an experience with the God of heaven, who don't miss it, I hope you didn't miss it in here. Um, <clears throat> verse 7, he says, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. When we have an experience with this kind of a God, who would take away our guilt, the things that keep us awake at night, the things that we just regret deeply, and God is saying, if you will just come to me and say, woe is me, I'm a man or a woman of unclean lips, save me, God, that he strips away that guilt. And he strips away and atones for that sin that had separated from you. And it was not because you or I deserved it. And it was not because you or I went to God on our terms. It was because God in his love came and approached us and came after us and we responded to it. But when you have an experience with a God like that, that would say, you know what, Luke, that stuff that you used to just wear you down, that guilt, I've pulled that from you. 
You know that shame, Luke, those things that you wish you would have never done? I've pulled that from you. You know that sin, Luke, that you keep going back to and the devil just keeps beating you in the head with to say you're unworthy and you're not worthy of God and you're not worthy to read his word and you're not worthy to go to church and you're not worthy to do any. You know that? Remember that, Luke? I've pulled that away and I've stripped that. Why? Because Jesus hung on a cross. And as we saw last week, we're no longer defined by our scars. We're defined by his scars. And when we have an encounter with the God like that, in a way like that, we cannot help but say, God, I am yours. I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. And yeah, it's going to be hard, but it doesn't matter because in the face of your glory, that's kind of peanuts. In the face of what I've seen you do, God, I'll go anywhere for you. I will charge the gates of hell for you because you have stolen my life from the gates of hell and set me free. When we have an encounter with the God of heaven, we, like Isaiah, cannot help but say, Here am I, Lord, send me. I had a moment like this. Uh, for some of you that don't know, I was on staff with Fresh Life for about two years. I was a campus pastor and New Believers pastor and did a bunch of stuff here. And, man, for the first time in my life, I just saw God do things that I never thought were possible. I saw people getting saved. I saw him doing amazing things. And in this moment when I was seeing God do these things, I came to this place where I'm like, God, I've had a glimpse of what, who you are for the first time in my life. I grew up in church. I got saved really early. But I never really had this time when it was just like, man, God, you're just doing things. And when I saw that, when I saw God doing things, it was all, I just wanted, I, that's the moment I said, here I am, Lord, send me. Whatever you want, I will go. Whatever you want me to say, I will say. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. But I will tell you this, it is not easy. It's not easy to go and do and say the things that God calls you to go do and say a lot of times. Which is exactly why, if you're trying to do it in your flesh, you'll just give up. Trust me, if I hadn't had an experience over the last, and it, that's the beginning. I mean, many times since then, I've just seen God. There is no doubt that he's real. There's no doubt that he loves me. There's no doubt that he loves you. There's no doubt that he's coming back. There's no doubt that every word in this book is true, and I can bank my life on it. And when I see that, it makes it a whole lot easier to go through the tough things. Because I know that I'm not doing it necessarily because I just want to do it. Because I've seen the face, the glory. I haven't seen the face of God, but I've seen the glory. I've seen him do things. I've seen God move in such powerful ways that I can't help but stay the course. Because it's not about me and it's not about you. Here's my prayer for us as a church over the next year. Like I said, I'm not so much concerned about where we're going as much as who you and I are becoming. Because when we really get this, when we grasp the fullness of this amazing God, every one of us would say, here am I, send me, sign me up, enlist me in your army, God, and I will fight for the things that you want me to fight for, and I will love the people that you have called me to love because I have seen this great love that you have put upon me. Here's my prayer over the next year, that as we continue to walk through the word of God and as the Holy Spirit does his work, that each and every one of us would come to a moment where we really get the fullness of God.
where we really get who he is because guess what? When that happens, this church, you and I, will mobilize. Guess what? When that happens, here my Lord, send me. Your work looks a whole lot different. Your family looks a whole lot different. Your friend group looks a whole lot different. Your hobbies look a whole lot different. Everything looks different because we had an encounter with the God of heaven that changes utterly everything. So with a few minutes we have left, here's my prayer for us as a church in this next year. Two things, and I want to spend a couple minutes on each. One is that we would see God more in his fullness and his holiness. And number two is that we would come to a place where we all can say, here am I, send me. Man, if we could get that, whew, look out, devil, because we coming after you, baby. Right? That's how God works. But he first has to grip our heart before he can send us. And if God has not gripped your heart, you cannot be sent. Because the moment you're sent, you'll just run away at the first sign of struggle and trial. But when God grips your heart, then we become the church that he has called us to become. Then we become the people that he has called us to become. When God grips your heart, you're going to treat your wife or your husband a whole lot better. When God grips your heart, you're going to respond to your kids in a different way. When God grips your heart, when your boss says something to you that you just hate and you're so tired of it, it's like, well, okay, but now my view is he's actually my mission field. He's actually my one. He's not just the one that I hate <laughs> because God has gripped my heart because I've seen God in his holiness, the fact that he would love me, and as we saw last week, the fact that he would have mercy on me. I can't help but extend mercy to those around me. But see, the first thing is... My prayer is that we would see more of his faithfulness and his holiness because our natural desire is to seek out the parts of God that we like, right? I mean, we all do it. And we avoid the parts that we don't like about God. But God is full. He's complete. He's who he is. And if we know that, then we'll go. We like to run after the blessing of God, the things that he can give, but avoid the parts that we don't like or maybe the parts that we don't understand. And as a result, we miss his fullness. We miss his faithfulness. We miss who he is. And when we miss who he is, then all of our life revolves around Luke. When I miss who God is, I don't really care about anything else. I just want what my want, what, what my flesh wants, what I need when it's all about me. But when we have an encounter with Jesus, the man who utterly changed history, we cannot help but go. It's just how it works. See, the beauty of God is found in the fullness of God, not a single attribute of him. He is kind, yes, but he's also firm. He is love, yes, but he's also just. He is holy, yes, but he is also a friend of sinners. His throne is unapproachable, yes, but because of Jesus, God is approachable. See, we can't just see him as firm, just, holy, and unapproachable, but we also just can't see him as kind, loving, a friend of sinners, and approachable. We have to see both. We have to see his nature, 
We have to see who he is, which is exactly why I try my best to preach through the word of God so that we would see the full counsel of God, so we would see the fullness of the nature of God. Because when we see the fullness of the nature of God, then we will say, here am I, send me. I'll go wherever you want me to go, God. You just tell me where. You just point me in the direction, and I'm going to get on my pedal bike, and I'm going to pedal as fast as my little legs will go. Or if you're a motorcycle guy, I'm going to get on and get on the throttle. Right? We just go. Because our master, our king, the lover of our souls has told us to go. And when he says go, we go. When he says open your mouth, you open your mouth. See, the beauty of God is found in the fullness of God. And Isaiah saw that. That's why he could only say, woe is me. That's why he probably with the angels could only sing, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. I can't get it out of my mind. I can't get it out of my heart because I've seen God. I've, I, I, why would I do anything else but serve him? Here am I, God, send me. See, I pray in the next year that, he would, that we would come to know his fullness more clearly, I want you to hear a prayer that Paul prayed and wrote to the church in Ephesians. And it was his prayer for spiritual strength for them. And man, I echo this prayer for our church, and I think we have it for the screens. It's Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, and it says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses Knowledge, don't miss it, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you want a prayer for, to pray this year, I would write that down and read through it every day. See, Paul is saying basically that my prayer for you is that Christ would dwell in your hearts richly and fully. My prayer for you is that when you see the glory of God, that you would just fall to your knees. My prayer for you is that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And the only way we can know the fullness of God is through the fullness of his word. They go hand in hand. This word is who God is. And so if we just pick and choose the parts that we want, we miss his fullness, and therefore we will never be sent. Because here's the problem. When we read all the things we like, we're only going to go when it serves us, when it blesses us, when it gives us what we need. And God is saying, that is part of it is I do bless my people, but I'm telling you right now, you've missed the full blessing of going when I say go, and you may not get your reward this side of heaven part of it, but you will one day, and I promise you this, what I'm doing in your heart when you see the fullness of who I am far surpasses any Lamborghini you could ever buy. Because God is in the business of heart change. 
God is in the business of displaying his glory so that his people would know him fully. See, this is my prayer for us this next year, that we would be filled with the fullness of God and that we would stand in awe of him. Psalm 33.8 says this, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He is a great God. He is a stunning God. And when you get to know him, you'll be amazed at what you find out. Think of it this way. Your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your hope-to-be boyfriend or girlfriend or your hope-to-be spouse one day. What if you only knew part of them? What if you only knew part of their story? What if you only knew the parts that they love to tell you, but you never knew the hard parts of their life? There is no way that you could come alongside and love them the way that God has called you to love them and support them. See, The beauty of a relationship is you go through the good and the bad. You know the great things and you know the horrible things. You know the things that you love and the things that you don't love so much and they're harder to love. And God is the same way. His fullness is his beauty. And if we miss it, we miss him. What's the result of knowing God and his fullness? Number two, here I am, send me. It's inevitable. It's not something that we manufacture. It's just something that our heart does. When we have an encounter with the God of heaven, we can't help but say, God, whatever it is, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Because I know that you have loved me so much that you don't hold my past mistakes against me. You don't hold my current mistakes against me. And you don't hold my future mistakes against me. Because if you are in Christ, your sin, your guilt has been ripped away and your sin has been atoned for. And when we get that, we'll go wherever God calls us to go. See, when we see God in his holiness and his fullness, we can't help but say, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you ask me to lay down, I'll lay it down, even if it's hard. Because here I am. Send me. I'm yours. And watch what he will do when you surrender your life fully. I promise you, it'll stun you. Because that's how he works. That's who he is. Here's a prayer that I've been praying lately, and I had Noah put it on the screens. If you want to take a screenshot of it or whatever, look it up later. But it's from David Livingstone, and he was a Scottish missionary. And he really helped open the heart of Africa to missions. And he prayed this, Lord, lead me anywhere. Just go with me. Lay any burden upon me, only sustain me. And sever any tie in my heart except the tie which binds mine to yours. I've been praying that. I printed it off and I put it in my office because that's really my heart. And that's my heart for each person in this room. If you're far from Christ, that's my, my prayer is that you would come to know him this morning and then begin to know his fullness and pray this prayer. If you've been in him for 40 years, that you wouldn't get complacent and you would pray this prayer. God, just lead me anywhere. Just go with me. God, lay any burden on me. Just sustain me. And God, please sever any tie in my heart except the one which binds mine to yours. When that happens, you will say, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. 
And the avenues look way different. It's not just going into full-time ministry. It's just doing life with God and loving people well. Whatever your sphere, wherever you're at, whatever he's called you to do, do it with excellence. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's his mission for us. And if we will do it, we will stand in awe. See, I am much more concerned with who you are becoming than what we do as a church because you and I are the church. I'm much more concerned with seeing God in his fullness than encouraging you to live your best life now. I'm much more concerned with your spiritual growth than the growth of this church. I'm much more concerned with preparing you to stand before God than receiving the applause of man. I long for you and me to see the holiness, the glory, the power, the majesty of our great God because that is what changes the world. Not things we can manufacture or do, but our relationship with the God of heaven that is driving everything that we do do. That's my prayer. Why? Because only then can we, like Isaiah, say, here am I, sinned. When we utter those words, trust me, hang on, because <laughs> it's going to be a ride, baby. But it's going to be the most joyful ride of your life. It's going to be the most difficult ride of your life. But oh, so worth it. Because why? Because we have seen and tasted that God is good. Because we've seen his glory. Because we've seen his faithfulness. Because we've seen him rip away our guilt. So why can we do anything else but give our lives to him and say, here I am, God. Send me wherever you want to send me. Because I'm yours. I'm yours. But I'm telling you, if you're like me, there's been some moments in your life where you've been like, here am I, Lord, send me. Because you have this dream and this vision and maybe this call to full-time ministry or maybe this business or maybe this whatever it is, you know it. You've probably had that at some point if you've walked with God for a significant amount of time. That Here I am, God, send me. And then three months later when it gets hard, you give up. Why? Because your spirit is what or your flesh is what was telling you to send me, not the spirit of God. It didn't come from this awe of who God is, this awestruck glory of the God of heaven that would love me and choose to do the things that he has done for me. It didn't come from that, probably. It came from just something that I wanted to try. But I promise you, when you see God on his throne for who he is, your life will look different. And when you go, you will walk through the fire and the trials and the struggle because it's not based upon your desires. It's based upon the holiness of God. Because he's amazing. Trust me, the only way Caroline and I have made it this far is because we had an encounter with the living God. If we didn't have an encounter with the living God, I would have gone into business a whole long, long time ago. <laughs> but no, I've seen, I've tasted that God is good and my heart's cry and desire is for you all to see and taste that God is good. When you see and taste that God is good, it utterly changes everything. Everything. And you too will go where he calls you to go. If the band wants to come up, I'm going to land the plane. See, in this next year, I want us to know God more deeply. 
That's what I want. I want our hearts to break for what breaks his. I want us to see his glory in the face of our failures and our struggles. I want us to be a people that completely abandon ourselves to him. I want us to be a people that don't listen to the voice of the devil, but listen to the voice of God. The devil every time will condemn you and beat you down. God every time will say, just come to me and let me heal. Just come to me and let me redeem. Just come to me in your struggle and in your pain and in your suffering and in your trials. Just come to me and let me hold you. Just come to me and let me redeem. The devil says that you can have no part of me because last week you made a huge mistake because this morning you did something that you don't want want to tell your wife because you are just living in a way that God does not honor. Well, so you just run as far away as you can from God because he just hates you. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God is good, but he's also just. He is holy, but he's also a friend of sinners. And I need you to hear this this morning, that God is relentlessly pursuing your soul if you will just bow and say, woe is me, a man or a woman of unclean lips. God, just do the things in my life that only you can do. Why? So that you and I can say, here am I, send me to go where he tells you to go, to do what he tells you to do, to say what he tells you to say, to be fully committed to the cause of Christ. Why? because Jesus was fully committed to you. He was fully committed when he hung on a cross to count his scars against your and my sin, not your own. And if God can do that, if he can rip sin away and give you the fullness of life, he is worth following. He is worth surrendering to. He is worth seeing his glory in the face of my sin and saying, here I am, God, send me. I'm yours for all of eternity. Come hell or high water, I'm going with you. Why? Because come hell or high water, Jesus hung on the cross to steal me from hell, to steal me from sin, to steal me from death, to steal me from guilt, to steal me from shame. And for that, I will bow. And for that, I will say, God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The earth is full of his glory, God. And so why? Here am I. Send me. Because he is worth it. And he is worthy. I want you to hear the end of Paul's prayer as we wrap this up. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. I didn't finish the end of the prayer, but I want you to hear it now. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You need to hear this before you go. That God is able to do astoundingly more and beautiful things through your life if you will bow and come. He is able he is looking for willing people to bow and say, woe is me. 
I'm a man, I'm a woman of unclean lips, God, but you and your holiness are worthy of it all. You and your holiness are worthy of my life. And as a result, God, here am I, send me, because I believe that you are able. I believe that you're sufficient. I believe that you're good. Even when my flesh wants to say no, in faith I believe. All of the Christian walk is based upon faith. What is faith according to the Bible? Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. What do you hope for this morning? What do you not see that you're believing God for? And maybe you're saying, yeah, I tried that thing once. I said, God, send me. And I went down that trail and it almost destroyed me. I just want you to hear this. It wasn't God that was destroying you. It was the devil that was trying to. Or maybe you went in your own flesh and did things that maybe you just weren't ready because you hadn't had this experience with the God of heaven. This morning, it can change. God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church forever, for every generation, forever and ever. Amen. Give your life to him. Surrender it. This week, just get in the word and say, God, just show me your glory Show me your faithfulness. Show me who you are. And I promise you, your heart will begin to tenderize. And that heart of stone will begin to become a heart of flesh. And before you know it, without you even trying, you're going to say, Hey, God, that thing that you called me to do a long time ago that I haven't done, I'm yours. We're going. And it's all because God is good. You're in this room this morning and you're far from Christ. Just come to him, run to him. And know this, that he does not hold your past against you because Jesus hung on the cross to atone for your past. You just have to come to him and believe that he is good. You just have to come to him and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. And your past can be made clean. It's still going to be there. There's still consequences, but it's not counted against you because the righteous, the holy God of heaven has made you clean. That's the gospel. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your faithfulness and all that you're doing. Would we be a church in this next year that goes where you want us to go? Why? Because we've had an experience with the God of heaven. We have seen your glory. We have seen your faithfulness. God, I pray that you would help me over the next year to communicate your word more clearly, to communicate your heart more clearly. God, to represent you more fully so that each person in this room, God, would have an encounter with the fullness of the God of heaven so that we might be a people that in the face of your glory can do nothing other than bow low and lift you high, can do nothing other than to say, here am I, send me. And God, would we be that kind of a church? Because when we're that kind of a church, God, we will make waves for the gospel in this valley in ways that my words cannot utter and no human mind can comprehend. Because you are good. Make us a people that serve you fully, that love you deeply, and go where you want us to go. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.